Amen. Amen and amen. Well, this morning, before we get into the message, I want to do something in light of all the uh, happenings that have happened this week uh, and past couple of days down in Dallas. I would like to take just a few moments and uh, pray uh, for our country and pray for our first responders, pray for our police. And so what I'd like to do this morning, if we have any policemen and law enforcement officers any first responders, we'd like for you to come down front here. We want to just have a time of prayer. So if there are any here, and then also want to ask our deacons to come, whether we have any folks in this service who are, who are uh, first responders or law enforcement officers, ask our deacons to come at this time as well. And just come and let's just gather here and pray. So invite you guys to come down. And uh, we just want to take just a few minutes and uh, lift up our nation to the Lord. Uh, <clears throat> you know, it is an election year, but in reality, friends, um, there's nobody in Washington going to fix this. It's a heart issue, and only Jesus can fix our nation. Amen? And so we need to pray for our nation that God would have his way in our hearts and our lives uh, as a nation, but as a church, that we would step up and do what we're supposed to do as well as God's people uh, to point people to Jesus as well. So let us just bow together. And pause together and ask the Lord to have his way. Father, we come to you this morning. We thank you for your faithfulness to us. Lord, we thank you that you are who you say you are. And Lord, we thank you that you have allowed us to be born in this country where we enjoy many freedoms. And Lord, as we look out across the landscape of America and we see the the tragedies that are taking place in many ways across our land, we pray, Father, that you would intercede. God, we pray that you would wake up your people, and Lord, that revival would take place among the church. But also, Father, we pray for spiritual awakening to take place among those who do not know you as Lord and Savior. Lord, that it would sweep this land, because we know, Father, that The Lord Jesus is the only answer. He is the only hope that we have in our midst. We pray, Father, for those who are the law enforcement officers, our first responders in Colonial Heights and our surrounding communities, our state police. We pray, Father, that you would just wrap your hedge of protection around each one of them. Lord, that you would guide them, and not only in our community, but around the United States, even now while tensions are high. We pray, Father, that you'd give our law enforcement officers wisdom and discernment and in, in, uh, in making arrests and all that they must do that where they put their life on the line. We pray for your protection around them and wisdom to be given to them. But, Lord, we thank you that you are the God who has not given up on us. We thank you, O oh God, that you are still calling people to salvation. You're still calling people into the ministry and indeed to the chaplaincy Uh, to our service members. And so, Father, we pray that you would work in mighty ways and that you would use us as a church as well, O God, to be the people of God that you desire for us to be, that we would have a heart to see you at work in this church and in this community and in this land, and that we pray, Father, for revival and awakening, and we pray that it would begin here in our hearts, in our lives. And so, Lord, we yield to you And we thank you for being a prayer answering and a prayer hearing God. 
for it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, men, for being with us this morning and praying with us. <clears throat> At this time, we'd like to turn our attention to our message this morning as we're looking and been going through the book of the Gospel of Mark and looking at the topic of King Jesus. I am so thankful that we have a king and his name is Jesus. Amen. That he is indeed on the throne and I've got news for you. He is never ever going to get off that throne. He will always be on the throne as king. Amen. I'm grateful for that. We're looking today at eliminating blind spots. Now, you probably know what blind spots are, and there's different definitions about what a blind spot is, but the one that I'm specifically thinking about as I was working on this message this week is the blind spot that we all have had to deal with if we drive a vehicle, that area around our vehicle where we cannot see. It is looking in the side view mirror and not seeing the car or the motorcycle or the vehicle that is right up on us because they are in our blind spot. Now, this blind spot is a dangerous position. It's a dangerous place. And we need to be aware of the blind spots so that we can watch out and take precautions, especially as we are driving. And as we look at the story of blind Bartimaeus, we can learn some principles here in this passage as disciples because there are some blind spots in our lives that we need to be reminded of, watching out for, watching closely, and taking precautions, knowing that there are blind spots there. And these must not be ignored, but we must be very much aware of what and where they are. So what does this story of blind Bartimaeus teach us about blind spots in our lives as disciples, you ask? Well, let's find out. Amen. Looking at Mark chapter 10, verses 46 through 52, in honor and reverence to the word of God, if you'd please stand if you're able, while I read this for us this morning, we see starting Mark 10, verse 46, the story of how Jesus heals blind Bartimaeus. Now they came to Jericho as he went out of Jericho with his disciples and a great multitude. Blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the road begging. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And then many warned him to be quiet, but he cried out all the more. Son of David, have mercy on me. And so Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. And then he called the blind man saying to him, be of good cheer, rise, he is calling you. And throwing aside his garment, he rose and came to Jesus. And so Jesus answered and said to him, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabboni, that I may receive my sight. And then Jesus said to him, go your way, your faith has made you well. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus on the road. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the reading of the word of God this morning. We thank you, Father, for speaking to us, for your presence here with us this morning. Lord, we just believe that you have a message for us to hear and to understand and to apply to our own individual lives. And so, Father, let us not be concerned about who's here, who's not here, who's in front of me or beside me, and that this message is for them. May we all, Father, see that the message is for us each individually. And so, Lord, may you take the word of God and apply it to our hearts and lives by the power of your spirit as only you can do. 
And so, Lord, we yield this time to you. And we pray, Father, that if there are those who don't know you as Lord and Savior, that this would be the hour of salvation. And for those of us who do know you, there'd be a time of refreshing and revival and conviction of our hearts to be where we need to be in our walk with you. But, Lord, may you have your way in every heart and life. And may the words of my mouth, meditation of my heart, be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my rock and my redeemer, for it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Well, I hope you will take the outline that's in the bulletin and follow along in there. Fill in those little blanks, if you will, so you can take that home later and look at it. But the first thing that we want to see here about blind Bartimaeus and these blind spots that we're looking at, the first thing is, is that our sight is crucial. <clears throat> our sight is crucial. Now, one blind spot that we need to be aware of taking the precautions and eliminating in our lives is taking, watch this, taking our spiritual sight for granted. This blind spot, this blind spot is letting our salvation become humdrum. Letting our salvation become routine. Letting our salvation be no big deal. But what strikes a chord with us as we look at the story of blind Bartimaeus is that we are reminded that sight is crucial. I want us to look again at verses 46 and 47 and just dive in here where it says, they came to Jericho and as he, that's Jesus, went out to Jericho with his disciples and a great multitude, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the road begging. And when Bartimaeus heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. So Bartimaeus here, he cries out to Jesus to have mercy on him. There is something that Bartimaeus needs that he knows only Jesus can provide. And that is the complete healing of his sight. Now, later in the story, we find that Jesus asked the question to Bartimaeus, what do you want me to do for you? And notice here what Bartimaeus doesn't say. Jesus asked Bartimaeus, what do you want me to do for you as he brought him to him? Bartimaeus does not look at or, or stand there before Jesus and say and ask for a better spot in which he can beg. Bartimaeus doesn't ask for a nicer cloak to keep him warm. Bartimaeus doesn't ask for friends who will treat him with respect, but rather Bartimaeus says, Rabboni, that I may receive my sight. Now, why does Bartimaeus ask for that? Because his sight is crucial. In that day, to have sight was a life or death situation. It was the difference of being hopeless and helpless depending on the mercy of others or having hope, strength, and ability to earn a living. It was crucial. Sight was crucial to a good life. Sight was crucial to a productive life. Sight was crucial to life. And sight, sight was crucial to living. Now notice this about the story here. Bartimaeus knew his inability to help himself. And he was blind and he was in darkness. 
But he trusted Jesus as the one who would be gracious and merciful to him. He knew that Jesus was the promised Messiah. As he said, called out to him, Jesus, son of David, was a, which is a messianic uh, uh, description of who Jesus is, a title. And he calls out to Jesus. Jesus hears his cry, and Bartimaeus was healed, and he followed Jesus. As you think about that story and think about Bartimaeus, I have to wonder, do you think Bartimaeus ever got over the fact that he once was blind, but now he could see? Do you think that Bartimaeus ever looked back to that street corner where he had to beg for alms to survive and he thought, man, I sure do miss sitting at that corner. I sort of doubt it, don't you? Do you think that Bartimaeus walked through crowds of people unaided or sat under the shade of a palm tree looking at the sights around him and thought, boy, I wish I couldn't see again? No. I suspect that having his sight restored to him changed him forever, friends. And I believe that Bartimaeus never got over it. When Bartimaeus was healed or made well, as it tells us in verse 52, that word made well indicates that he was healed physically and spiritually. He was changed in more ways than one. He believed in Jesus and he was saved and his life was changed. Now listen, for those of us who are disciples, we are just like Bartimaeus. Those of us who are children of God, who have been born again, who are disciples, we're just like Bartimaeus. We knew our inability to help ourselves at some point. We heard about Jesus and his grace and his mercy, and we called out to him, and he heard our cry. And he healed us completely, given us spiritual sight out of our own blindness, and we could see. But here's our blind spot. We have gotten over it. Y'all with me this morning? That's our blind spot. We've gotten over it or we have, for, or we have forgotten what it was to be spiritually blind. Or possibly some may have come to Jesus for the wrong reasons. <clears throat> Maybe some came to Jesus because it was just about comfort. Feeling like life would be better. And easier if I would just come to Jesus. Maybe some people came to Jesus because to them it was a crutch that they could just fall back on in difficult times. For other people came to Jesus maybe about they wanted to change their character. They saw these Christians being kind and they wanted to be kind. Maybe for others they came to Jesus because it was about community, belonging to a group. They were tired of being alone and so they decided, well, I'll become a Christian because I just want to be in a group of people who meet every week. Maybe for some people coming to Jesus was about being cheerful. They saw people who were happy. They said, well, I want to be happy. And so they came to Jesus. Maybe it was about be, having a compass because there are people who are looking for direction. And so they came to Jesus because they just needed some kind of direction in life. But friends, while all this comes with salvation, it is not the reason for our salvation. Listen, our spiritual sight is crucial to our completeness. 
What do you mean by that, <clears throat> being complete? Well, let me help you with that. You see, friends, when we come to know Jesus as Lord and Savior, it's where the old life is crucified. It's where Satan is conquered. It's where we are converted, where we're made right with our creator, and we are cured of sin's curse. And our conclusion is clear that one day we will be with Christ. Amen? You see, friends, our sight is crucial to live, and may we never ever get over it. Let us be reminded of what it is to be saved. Let us remember and rejoice that Jesus saved a wretch like me and like you. Let us not get over the fact, friends, that we once were blind, but now we see. Let's eliminate that blind spot in our lives. Let us remember that our sight, our spiritual sight is crucial. And so this story not only helps us to eliminate that, that blind sight, that, the spot that our sight is crucial, but also the second blind spot that we see here, and that is that our focus is corrected. <clears throat> our focus is corrected. So another lesson that we can see here in this blind spot of having the wrong focus or allowing our focus to change. Notice what happened in verses 48 and in verse 49 here. Did you see this? You see these people here, they're on the side of the street with Bartimaeus and many, it says, verse 48, many warned him to be quiet, but he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. So he's crying out to Jesus and the people are saying, Bartimaeus, just be quiet, just be quiet. And then verse 49 says, so Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. And then they called the blind man saying to him, be of good cheer, rise, he is calling you. Did you notice what happened there? The people, watch, the people had been overlooking or ignoring the blind man, telling him to just be quiet. Many people were just telling Bartimaeus, just, just be quiet, Bartimaeus. Well, why in the world would they do such a thing? Well, maybe because they didn't want to hear him anymore. Maybe they were weary of his cries for help. They'd heard it enough. Maybe they didn't want anything to interrupt their view of Jesus. This Jesus they'd heard about was coming through. They didn't want anything to interrupt their view. Or maybe they were enamored with all the activity that was surrounding Jesus. Or maybe they thought that Jesus just didn't have time for these blind beggars. They had seen and heard Bartimaeus enough and they just wanted him to be quiet. I'm sure y'all have never been there, right? <clears throat> But notice what the Bible says. I love this. The Bible says this. But Jesus heard his cry. And the Bible says, verse 49, so Jesus stood still. Wow. Amidst all the hubbub and all the activity that is happening on the street as people are coming and Jesus is walking through and Bartimaeus is in the background, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And all the people say, just be quiet, Bartimaeus, be quiet. Jesus stops and he commands Bartimaeus to be called. It says he commanded him to be called. Tell him to come here. Jesus, now, now remember this. We talked about this last week. 
Jesus is heading somewhere with the disciples. Remember, he's on the road. He's headed to Jerusalem to accomplish his mission, which is to die for us. His task is clear. It's before him. This is where he's going. He is headed to Jerusalem to, prefer, to do the mission, to accomplish the mission, which is to die for us. And it tells us here, he hears the cry of blind Bartimaeus and he stood still and he called for this one to come to him. And when that happened, watch this now. When that happened, the focus of the people who were around Bartimaeus changed. Did you see that? Look again at verse 49. Now, these same people who've been saying, Bartimaeus, just be quiet. The last part of verse 49, it says, they called the blind man saying to him, be of good cheer, rise, he's calling you. What happened? What in the world happened? Are these the same people? Yes, they're the same people. The people's focus changed. They saw, watch, they saw that Bartimaeus was important to Jesus. They saw that Jesus cared about people. They saw specifically that Jesus cared about Bartimaeus' need. Friends, listen. Here is the blind spot that needs to be eliminated in our lives as disciples. Here is that place where we are vulnerable, that we need to be careful of, that we need to watch out for. Are you ready? Say yes. Here's that blind spot. Listen, we can become so enamored with life and even so busy with ministry that revolves around Jesus, that we can actually lose sight of the fact that Jesus cares about people. Now, you say, well, why do you say that, Pastor? Well, let's just think about how Jesus does care about people. Just look back through the gospel of Mark, and we see how Jesus cared for people. We think of the man who, who had the unclean spirit who was in the synagogue. We think about Peter's mother-in-law who was sick with a fever. We think about the leper and the paralytic who was lowered through the roof. We think about the man with the withered hand. We think about the girl who's, who was restored to life. We think about the 5,000 who needed to be fed. And on and on we could go how we see in the scriptures how Jesus cared about people. Let us, friends, as disciples, eliminate that blind spot in our own lives and let us care about people. Amen? As disciples of Jesus, our focus needs to be careful that it doesn't change from what it should be and that Jesus cared about people, so we need to care about people. First John chapter 4, verse 7 says this, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Y'all with me? Let me just read that again. Beloved, let us love a few people. Is that what it says? Let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God 
and knows God. Why is that? Because God loves, and God loves people. And so we are to love people. And here's the thing. We are to love all people. Oh, no, pastor, you're about to cross over a line here. No, that's just what I see here. We're to love all people. Listen, it does not matter what color, what tribe, or what tongue. We're to love all people. No matter what they have done to us, no matter what we have perceived, no matter what we think, we are to love all people. Y'all with me? Is that what the Bible says? That is exactly what the Bible says. You know, the thing is that we feel like that when we get to heaven, there's only going to be people who think and act like us, who look like us, who smell like us, who are like us. Friends, we do, listen, we do not have a monopoly on who gets to heaven. If a person trusts Jesus Christ as their Savior, they will be there too. Amen? And so we are to love all people, pointing them to the God who loves Jesus. That's his name. That's who we point people to. In Revelation chapter 7, look, I love this. It's not on the screen, but Revelation 7, because the Lord gave me this last night. Revelation 7, verses 9 and 10. When we think about being in heaven, we can only envision maybe in our own minds, you know, there's people who look like us, people that we, that were, that we knew in church, and just, we just think about those people. But let me tell you what. The Bible tells us in Revelation 7, 9, and 10, after these things I looked and behold, a great multitude, multitude which no one could number of all nations and tribes and peoples and tongues standing before the throne and before the lamb clothed with white robes with palm branches in their hands crying out with a loud voice saying salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the lamb there will be all kinds of people in heaven folks amen and we are to love all people because we have God within us and God loves and God is in us, we must also love other people. Amen? Now, now wait a minute. Let's not leave here yet. Let us not only care about people, but let us also care about and love the one. It's easy for us to think about, okay, I'm going to love everybody. I'm just going to love people. Okay, well, people are persons, Individual persons make up a group of people, right? So that means that we are to also love the one. Friends, listen, don't overlook the one. Don't overlook the one. I ran across an illustration this week. There's a little bit of an older story about a a Russian-born novelist, Vladimir Nabokov, back in the summer of the 1940s. Nabokov and his family stayed with James Laughlin at a place in Utah where Nabokov took the opportunity to enlarge his collection of butterflies and moths. Evidently, that's what he liked to collect. And so he is here in the States from Russia, and he's collecting these butterflies and moths. Well, one evening at dusk, 
He had been out all day, and he returned from his day's excursion, saying that while he was out, he told his, his host, while he was out during the hot pursuit near Bear Gulch, Utah, he had heard someone groaning pitifully down by the stream. Well, Laughlin asked him, well, did you stop? And he said, no, I had to get my butterfly. And the very next day, the corpse of an old aged prospector was discovered in that very area. You know, we hear something like that and we're disgusted by that. And while that seems appalling to us, we have to think, while there are people around us dying, how often are we just chasing butterflies? Boy, that's convicting, isn't it? All around us, there are people who are searching, who need to know about Jesus, but we are so busy just chasing butterflies all the time. Butterflies are not going to matter in the scheme of eternity, friends, but a person's soul does. And our only hope is Jesus. We need to point people to him. Listen, let us not get so busy. Listen, let us not get so busy with our lives and with our routines and even our serving that we are jeopardized by the blind spot of not seeing people or caring for all people or caring for the individuals. Let us ask the Lord. Listen, let us ask the Lord to help us to see people the way that he sees people. Amen? Because he is still calling people. He is still calling persons to come to him. In Matthew eleven twenty eight 28, it says, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He is still calling people, friends, and he is our only hope. Eliminating the blind spots. Remember, our sight is crucial. Let's not get over that we were once were blind, but now we see. Our focus is corrected as we look at this passage. That, and when G, we found it, remember that Jesus cares for people. We need to be reminded that Jesus cares for people. We need to care for people. And then third thing we need to see here, this blind spot, is that our vision is clarified. Our vision is clarified. Let's look at verses 50 through 52 again. So we have here blind Bartimaeus. The people have said to him, get up, Bartimaeus, go. He's calling for you. And so verse 50, and throwing aside his garment, he rose and came to Jesus. And Jesus answered and said to him, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabboni, that I may receive my sight. And then Jesus said to him, go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus on the road. So as Bartimaeus heard that Jesus was calling him, Bartimaeus said, I think I'll just wait a few more minutes before I go. No, I don't think so, right? When he heard that Jesus was calling him, it says that he threw aside his garment. That garment is a large, heavy garment that was used as a coat as well as a mat, and it was likely his greatest possession. And it says that he rose in the, in the ESV and the Greek, it actually means he leapt up. He rose, he jumped up. It's an eager response. And he came to Jesus. And once he received his sight, the Bible tells us, as we mentioned a minute ago, that he was made well. That means physically and spiritually. And it tells us here that he followed Jesus. 
Watch this. Here's the blind spot right here, friends. If we are not careful, we forget that our task is to follow Jesus. If we're not careful, we will forget that what we're called to do is to follow Jesus. Listen, we are to be like Bartimaeus, casting aside that which constrains us and follow Jesus with a great eagerness. In Hebrews 12, verse 1 and 2, we talked about verse 2 briefly last week. We did back up a verse and, and a half this week. And it says in Hebrews 12, 1, 2, and 8, it says, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus. You see, friends, we see in this story the simple principle of discipleship, which is this, follow Jesus. And it is a blind spot that we sometimes forget. Our vision needs to be clarified that this is our mission. This is our calling. This is our task. And that is to follow Jesus. Jesus, let nothing take his place. Let nothing hinder us from following Jesus. Let nothing sidetrack us. Let nothing get in the way. We're to follow who? Jesus. Follow Jesus. Let us trust him and obey him. Friends, our vision is clarified. It's a blind spot. We sometimes forget what our calling is, and that is to follow Jesus. Now listen. Sometimes following Jesus is standing still. Sometimes following Jesus is watching and learning. Sometimes following Jesus is moving forward. Sometimes following Jesus is going through some tough areas. Sometimes following Jesus is going through valleys. Sometimes following Jesus is easy. And sometimes following Jesus is tough. Sometimes following Jesus is illogical. It does not make sense to us. And sometimes following Jesus makes perfect sense to us. But no matter what the case, friends, here's the vision that needs to be clarified. We must follow Jesus. Following Jesus is abiding in him. Following Jesus is growing in our faith. Following Jesus is serving him. Following Jesus is pointing people to him. Following Jesus is helping to disciple others. Listen, our lives are to be about Jesus. Our vision is clarified. We come to know him as Savior And we follow him. Listen, friends, we can get caught up in the things of this world. We can get caught up in the things of our lives. We can get caught up even in churchy and religious things, but our vision is clear. We must follow Jesus. It's not about following my way. It's about following the way. It's not about following directions. It's about following the deliverer. It's not about following opinion. It's about following the one Lord. It's not about following a fad. It's about following the sure foundation. It's not about following a cause. It's about following the captain of our salvation. 
Listen, it's not about following a politician. It's about following the purifier of our souls. It's not about following a celebrity. It's about following the star out of Jacob. It's not about following a craze. Friends, it's about following the creator of all things. It's not about following a preacher. It's about following the priest according to Melchizedek. It's not about following a teacher. It's about following the truth. Friends, it's not about following a movement. It's about following the Messiah. It's not about following following the culture. It's about following the commander. It's not about following Facebook. It's about following the friend of sinners. It's not about following social media. It's about following the son of man. It's not about following a group. It's about following the great I am. Friends, it's not about following a sport. It's about following the savior. It's not about following a crowd. It's about following Christ. And it's not about following a job or a journey or Joey, friends. It's about following Jesus. That's what it's about. Blind Bartimaeus, we learn something here. He followed Jesus. What gave him that desire to follow Jesus? What gave him that eagerness to follow Jesus? What what is it that gave him that drive, that motivation to follow Jesus? He once was lost, but now he's found He once was blind, but now he sees. How about you? How about you? Do you know this, Jesus? Friends, there is no better person to follow than Jesus. He is our hope, and he is our assurance, and he is our victory. And he has made us right with holy God if we will receive him as Lord and Savior. Friends, if you've never received Jesus as Lord and Savior of your life, it's a simple step of faith. Acknowledging that we're sinners in need of a Savior, Jesus is that Savior. Turning from our sin and turning to Jesus Christ, which is repentance. Repenting of our sin and saying, Lord, I'm sorry that I'm a sinner. I'm sorry for the sins that I have done. And I need you to forgive me. Cleanse me, Lord. And as we do that, we embrace, which is believing with all of our heart that Jesus is God's son who died on the cross, who rose again bodily from the grave. We believe that with all of our heart. And then we profess him as the Lord and Savior of our life, saying, yes, I want Jesus to be my Lord. I want you to be my Savior. I want you to be my Lord because I believe you did this for me. You died for me. You rose again for me. You are my Savior. The Bible says, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. No matter what your past, no matter where you are in the present, friends, Jesus is still calling out to you to save you, to make you right with holy God. And I've got news for you. He is still able to do that. There's still power in the blood of Jesus. Amen? If you've never received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, today in just a few moments we'll have an invitation. You come, let me pray with you, and just invite the Lord to be the Lord of your life. But Christian... Those of you who are already children of God, let us understand that we do have these blind spots in our lives. Let us be reminded that our spiritual sight is crucial. And may we never get over our salvation. Secondly, our focus is corrected. And that we need to be reminded that we are to care about people. And point people to Jesus because Jesus cares about people. And know that our vision is clear. It's been clarified for us. 
We are to accept Christ as Lord and Savior. And we are to follow Jesus. Will you do that? Will you eliminate those blind spots? And will you say, yes, Lord. I know there's areas in my life that I need to watch out for. I know there's places, Lord, where, that I'm vulnerable. Guide me and help me to eliminate those blind spots in my life. Today, as we come to invitation, maybe you need to come and just pray or come and pray with Pastor Andy or pray with myself, whatever the case may be. But asking the Lord to help you to be that disciple that Jesus has called you and me and all of us to be. Let's pray. Father, we pray now as we come to this invitation, Lord, that you would have your way in our hearts and our lives. Lord, to draw us to to the place where we need to be in our walk with you. Lord, we have to acknowledge that there are these blind spots in our lives that we are so uh, satisfied as Christians in this world that we oftentimes lose sight of what we need to be remembering. And Father, we just come before you and we confess that before you and we pray that as we come to this time of invitation, Lord, that you would just deal with every one of our hearts here today. Lord, that we would be the people of God. Lord, that we would be obedient to your call. Lord, that we would surrender it all to you, that we would walk away from here different than when we walked in. That we want to be your people, guided by your spirit, following you, Lord Jesus. And so, Lord, may you have your way in our hearts. May you guide us and direct us as we come now to this invitation. Lord, it's not about me. It's not about us. But it's about you having your way in our lives. And so, Lord, may you do that even now in this invitation. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're going